Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. Hope your day's going great. Sandy Max is with us in the studio. So is Greg Matzik. Debbie Lazica's got your rose. Adam Roberts producing the show this afternoon. All right, let's get to it. This is the three. At three on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. All right, Sandy, first up is what? A major Northeast Wisconsin supplier of aerospace and defense products is closing its facility. They are. The company closing their facility is Collins Aerospace up there in Northeast Wisconsin, Peshtigo, laying off 100 workers. They filed their notice with the Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development, which is what companies need to do if they're going to permanently close their facility. And they will begin layoffs the end of July. They'll be all done in Wisconsin by the end of December. And the letter states, as an interesting little tidbit, that none of the employees are represented by a union, which means they're not entitled to bumping rights and some protections and some salary and severance and all that stuff. So Collins Aerospace laying everybody off up there in Peshtigo. All right, what's next? The big gig, as they call it, next month. Coming up, and today, the world's largest music festival is providing a sample of their new merchandise line. Tasting sized portions of new and fan favorite festival foods and beverages today. Yeah, it's going to be the 55th anniversary for yeah. Summerfest. It's a big, nice, even number. And today, they're having a big old party out there where they're going to let us know what's going to be new, what's exciting. And our guy, Jason Smith, is going to be out there live. I hope he gets some nice merch. He needs to come back with uh, maybe a hoodie, a hat. <laughs> Umbrella. It is cooler by the lake. I've been at many a summer fest where the wind has shifted and sends me right into the merchandise. Yeah, booth. exactly. <laughs> Scurrying for a sweater, sweatshirt. All right, so Jason's with us live coming up at 410 today. And what is the third thing? We don't need another hero. Breaking news this afternoon. The queen of rock and roll died today. Actually, she died Tuesday at her home near Zurich, Switzerland. Tina Turner passing away at the age of 83 years old. She was, of course, uh, infamously married to Ike Turner, and they were a duo in the 60s and the 70s. She fled after years and years and years of abuse, really kind of floundered and tried to find her footing. And then in 84, multi-platinum album Private Dancer came out. What's Love Got to Do With It hit number one, and she was on her way to superstardom. And she's so influential. I remember her performance at Live Aid with Mick Jagger, and I looked up, there have been several times that Tina Turner played in Wisconsin solo, starting in... 1984, but I found a music blogger from Green Bay who saw her, you just said, like kind of hit the dry spell there. In 1983, she played a side stage at Summerfest. Right before Private Dancer, that right. huge album. Because she was That's 43 amazing. years old, kind of considered an oldies artist, uh, and then just skyrocketed, and, sh and she's an electrifying performer. She is that husky, full-throated voice. Just iconic. And I don't mean this in any rude way, but hot legs. She looked Great. She and was a legs. great dancer. Yep. And, and just wonderful. She played uh, Summerfest in 93 and 97 again. And it was not on a side stage. <laughs> I was surprised that uh, to read she hadn't played a live concert and I think I read like 12 years or so. She battled health. She did. And yep. uh, she got married. She kind of had the fairy tale ending. I like it. She got married, moved to Switzerland. And if you do want to relive Tina Turner's music, uh, Tina, the Tina Turner musical, will be at the Marcus Performing Arts Center in April. Yeah, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of yeah. Fame as a solo artist just a couple of years ago. Tina Turner passes away at the age of 83.
One year since the Uvalde massacre. One year. In some ways, it's hard to believe it's been only a year. In other ways, it's hard to believe that uh, the opposite can be true. Andy Field, ABC News, is with us from Washington. What's the newsy updates today on this one-year anniversary, Andy? Well, the newsy update is that there isn't much news. (laughs) Sadly, that... um, uh, despite repeated calls for various uh, actions, either in local legislatures or in the federal government, uh, President Biden has continually pushed after virtually every one of these shootings, almost all of them involving AR-15s or similar semi-automatic weapons, uh, that there needs to be some sort of ban or, or certainly a much more severe restriction on these guns so that they're not as easy to get. There's a reason that they are the weapon of choice for mass shooters, because they can kill a lot of people very quickly. Uh, and you don't have to be particularly good aimed for that. You can point it in many directions and be pretty much guaranteed you're going to hit someone or something. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that he wants to have this ban or restrictions on these things. What's interesting is that Texas, uh, a few months ago, uh, actually did something about semi-automatic rifles, or at least one branch of their government did, they voted to raise the age that you could buy that weapon from 18 to 21. But that's only in one branch of the government. It faces a much tougher fight in the legislature, and of course, the conservative governor in Texas is unlikely to sign any bill that restricts gun ownership. So uh, that was the start. It's basically putting your toe in the water and saying, gee, we hope we can move forward on this. Now, all that being said, Congress hasn't done nothing. Back in 2022, there was a bipartisan Safer Communities Act, and it broke this nearly 30-year stalemate on Capitol Hill over gun laws. Uh, The law includes uh, nearly three-quarters of a billion to help states implement so-called red flag laws. I think uh, Michigan just put one of those in cases to remove firearms from people who are a danger to them or themselves, uh, enhance background checks for gun buyers under the age of 21, and closes what was known as that boyfriend loophole, so individuals in serious dating relations who are convicted of domestic abuse won't be allowed to buy a gun. Those are significant steps, but they don't address the fact that there seems to be one weapon that's used in virtually all of these mass shootings, and uh, gun rights organizations are uh, so far towing the line and making sure there's no restrictions on them. So it doesn't seem like it will have any impact uh, for any of the people who are running for future office. It, it still doesn't seem like this is well, going to advance the yeah, cause. That, remain, that remains to be seen, depending on, on how voters choose in the next election. Uh, did it make any difference in the last election? In some elections, yes. Uh, there were some Democrats who pushed for tougher gun controls that, that beat some Republicans, but I'm not sure that was the defining issue. Uh, We'll certainly find out in 2024 if this becomes an issue for enough people to say, yes, we want to have something happen. Now, President Biden insists that uh, mass shooting deaths drop dramatically when they actually had the so-called, and I'm using air quotes because everyone defines an assault weapon differently, but when they had this assault weapon banned nationally, uh, there are statistics that show that the rate of mass shootings went down. Did they go down dramatically? That's debatable, but they did go down a bit. ABC's Andy Field is with us from Washington on this one-year anniversary of the Uvalde massacre. Andy, can you give us any depth on the investigation into law enforcement? We all saw 
Cops show up. We all now know that they stood around for about an hour before they went inside, and many of them have received no discipline at all. Where are we at with any of that part of the story? I think, uh, you know, and I, I haven't followed this all that much, but I, I do know that I remember the, the, the person who was in charge of school security is no longer there. Uh, there certainly have been a number of lawsuits. There have been disciplinary actions against some of them. Some of them are no longer on active duty and desk duty. But you're right. Uh, it's a year later, and the people who were supposed to run toward the danger, uh, we've seen videos of them, uh, the security camera videos of them basically standing in the hall while this shooter continued to murder uh, innocent children and uh, some adults there. And it it's it's sickening. It's It's heartbreaking. Uh, and then, of course, you've seen other mass shootings where the police officers run right to the danger and manage to take out the shooter before that person does any more damage. Uh, the sad case in all of this here is that every one of these instances, people are desperately trying to avoid the person from getting in that situation in the first place so the officers don't have to make those life and death decisions. Andy Field with us from Washington, where, Andy, the big news there today is once again possible movement on raising the debt ceiling. I wanted to ask you about this because you've been covering the story from the beginning. Kevin McCarthy earlier today saying that he was sending his team to the White House to, quote, try to finish out negotiations. That sounds optimistic. Where are we today? <laughs> Everyone sounds optimistic until the next day when they sound pessimistic. <laughs> uh, this is this been one of these kind of uh, your head kind of you know you know tennis match where they're following the ball back and forth across the net and you see the the picture of the crowd and their heads all turn in unison one way and then they turn in unison the other way. That's pretty much reporters in Washington, depending on optimistic or pessimistic. Uh, at the White House today, uh, Corinne Jean Pierre, the spokesperson, said, "Well." The good news is is that Speaker McCarthy and President Biden have taken default off the table. That's a nice thing to say, but the reality is they haven't, because without a deal, uh, default is definitely on the table, uh, according to the Treasury Secretary, and they don't really have until next Thursday, not tomorrow, but the a week from tomorrow, to get this done, because Kevin McCarthy, in order to become House Speaker, uh, agreed to a rule that said that House members would have 72 hours to look at all uh, the information in a bill that they're going to vote on. Uh, That means that the deadline is really kind of next Monday or Sunday if they want to get this thing passed and done and then through the House and Senate. And, of course, we have a holiday weekend coming up where a lot of folks are going to be out of town. It is fascinating that they say to the cameras and the media that we're close, and then McCarthy reportedly goes to the caucus and says, we're still really far apart. I don't see this happening. And then he comes back and meets and says, yeah, I think we're almost there. I guess it's uh, whatever crowd you're in front of, you, you address differently. Well, the, the problem is that he needs, he needs that the, the more radical members of his party to stay in his job. Uh, he also agreed to a rule that said any one member can say, hey, we don't like the job you're doing. Let's vote you out. And he, as we saw, it took 15 votes and an incredibly razor-thin uh, vote plurality for him to win the House Speakership. And there's enough people there that if he makes a deal that they don't like, they can say, you know what, we're done with you. Let's find someone else. ABC's Andy Field in Washington. Thanks for the update, Andy. Thanks, guys. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. So if you're uh, just tuning in, Tina Turner passes away today at the age of 83. The iconic Bob Babish from Summerfest will join us coming up here 
in about five minutes with some perspective on her legacy and the time that she spent here in Milwaukee. First, firefighter and paramedic Amanda Bates has taken her role of first responder to another level as educator and mentor, training others to be lifesavers when paramedics aren't around. Steve Scafidi's salute to service continues. Here's Amanda Bates' story. I'm Annie Schwartz. I'm a public safety communications consultant and an author, and I nominated Amanda Bates because she is so many more things than just her title, which is firefighter paramedic. My name is Amanda Bates. I'm a paramedic firefighter, EMD, community paramedic, trainer for resiliency programs through the Center for Suicide Awareness. I'm the former state TCPR bystander, uh, CPR educator for the state of Wisconsin. Amanda was the first person that came to mind when we were talking about nominating people from police, fire, and EMS. And when I hear EMS in the state of Wisconsin, I always think of Amanda because I think of all the work that she's done for the profession. We're trained for muscle memory to act, to recognize symptoms. We have uh, algorithms and protocols that we follow. We're also taught to treat the patient and not the monitor, which I think is really important. Uh, for me, I like to take in the whole situation, treating the patient with uh, care and due diligence, but also keeping mindful of the folks around the patient as well. Um, what we do inside of these homes can make a really big difference to the folks around them. Amanda has been instrumental in making sure that when people call 911, the person on the other end of the phone knows what to do to save a life on that other end of the phone. She also works to make the profession better for the people that respond in person when there's an emergency. I'm very proud of the work that I've done throughout my career and that I get to come into people's homes and into people's lives and, and help them when they need it the most. She's working to remove the stigma behind asking for help when you work in the emergency medical services. Firefighter line of duty deaths and EMT line of duty deaths are bigger than anybody knows. She's creating awareness about that. But she is a person who doesn't think, what am I going to get out of this? She is absolutely someone who says, let's make the profession better. I take great pride in, in being trusted to give that care, to have another parent hand over their child to me, says something to be, I don't need to be told thank you, but just to be there and to provide that kind of settlingness uh for the family members. And we can be like, the most stressful event of their lives. I take that to heart. It's so hard to pick just one word to describe Amanda because of all of the things that she's doing for the, for the profession. But I guess I think of her as an EMS hero, not someone who did one thing, but someone who is doing something every day to make that profession better. What does salute to service mean to you? Anyone who does this job will tell you this is the best job on earth, and it really truly is, because when you're doing this job, there's a part of you that heals along with it. There's a lot of us who come from a trauma background or childhood trauma, a parent who's sick, a grandparent, loss of some sort. We come into this field and we're trying to heal a part of ourselves as well. So we don't need the recognition, I feel like, to do this. I'm very fortunate to have worked with amazing individuals from Summers Fire Department and City of Burlington and have been mentored by some of, I think, the best in the field, and they'll tell you why they do this. They do it because they love it. Steve Scafidi's Salute to Service is presented by Educators Credit Union and the Packing House Restaurant. Bob Babish, former Senior VP of Entertainment at Summerfest on Tina Turner's Legacy. Bob's with us live up next. The legendary Tina Turner passes away at the age of 83, peacefully reports, say, at her home in Switzerland. Our good friend Bob Babish former vice president of entertainment at Summerfest, joins us live uh, from what's going to be a big old party, the Summerfest preview party in Milwaukee this afternoon. Hey, Bob, it's good to catch up. Thank you so much for being with us. How you doing? 
Man, doing great. I'm sure you're a little melancholy today. Um, tell us about your favorite Tina Turner stories from Summerfest. Well, you know, there's I've, I've got a few. Some I can't tell, but, you know, some, I've got some good <laughs> stories out there. But, I mean, her initial, her initial show at Summerfest, uh, she played the Pabst stage, Pabst Brewery stage. And there's a, there's a gentleman named Bob Milkovich who uh, was doing a lot of ethnic dance groups and that. And he had moved into more of a, of a rock thing than he was starting to do. You know, the Ricky Nelsons and the Paul Revere Raiders and things like that. And he had me check on Tina Turner because her and Ike had been broken up for a while and she was getting popular. And we managed to put her on the path stage in 1983 for two nights, two shows a night. And it was it was pretty amazing to watch. It was, wow. I mean, those in those days they did two performances for like two ninety minute shows. They do a ninety, then a break, and then another ninety. And she rocked that thing two nights in a row, and it was happening. It was she was a whirling dervish, man. It was just really something to watch. She, she was, was a, she was a true superstar. She was really something. Well, she was a worker on stage. I don't think I ever saw her phone it in. You know, I mean, she no. so that had to have been electrifying, and she was solo from Ike Turner, and she didn't know she was going to be a superstar the next year. Right. And a lot of a lot of people hadn't really seen her uh, live before that, you know, doing shows. And I'm telling you, she was just a dynamo up there. It was just something to watch. And then we did her again in 1993 in the amphitheater. We were lucky enough to do that. It sold out in like a couple of days. And, uh, I mean, she played around the market a bunch of other times. I think she did a goodbye tour sometime, sometime in 2020 or something like that. She might have been in Milwaukee, but I'm telling you, she was some, and, and she was a nice person, you know. I mean, it was just, it was a wonderful thing. She was a consummate entertainer, really fun to watch. Bob, I wanted to ask you about that. You're fortunate enough to spend time with a lot of these artists. What was she like? Paint the picture of Tina Turner as a person. Pleasant and polite and, uh, just nice to be around backstage. I mean, a lot of a lot of times you find artists that, uh, especially sometimes with the divas, that that tend to want get insulated, and you know, meet them, and and uh, they stay in their own little world. And uh, but she wasn't that way. She was she was different that way. You just she was, she was a pleasant, just a pleasant person, you know, and, and just a great entertainer. Well, I have to think with that smile and those cheekbones, like when that's directed at you, like how does that make you feel? <laughs> she was great. It was great fun. Great fun. Bob Abish with us on WTMJ. Bob, as you've been in the business longer and people pass away, I remember talking to you after Tom Petty died and now Tina Turner. What's it like? What kind of perspective does it give you when these iconic figures are no longer with us? Well, you know, it was. It, there's a different eras of, of musicians, right? And and they have their moments, and they're great, and they're fantastic. And I hate to say this, life goes on. You know, there's another artist coming up that people want to learn about and want to, want to visit and want to listen to. And that's the part of the art form, right? People love to listen to music, new music, old music, whatever it is. And it all moves forward. It's great. You know, when you think about Tina Turner and that husky voice and that commanding presence, Bob, it seems like when she sang about being hurt, when she sang about rising up, it had different meaning and different virality because of what she had been through. Is that a fair assessment? Right. That's definitely a fair assessment. Definitely a fair assessment. She, uh, she was a talented entertainer, man. It, it really came through. It always came through when she performed.
you know, she won what twelve Grammys. Yeah, I mean, she she was incredible, incredible talent, and touched all different forms. She, of course, yeah. was because she's such an entertainer on stage, thus inspiring now the award-winning musical that is now touring around and that even her Tina musical will be back in Milwaukee in April at the Marcus and inspiring her, just her life was inspiring to other people, not just her artwork. Right. Absolutely. You know, it was, it was, she was a great talent and uh, the world will miss her. Bob, is there anybody uh, today that you could compare when you think about presence or you think about story or you think about who Tina Turner was? I mean, you can look at Beyonce, right? I mean, you can look at what talent she is. We're, we're dancer, dancing, the show that she puts on, that huge show when she entertains. Look at look at Taylor Swift right now. Look what she's doing right now. I mean, she's putting on huge shows that last three hours long. Great talents, all of them. Bob Abish, former vice president of entertainment at Summerfest, is with us on WTMJ. I think she's one of those performers. She just put on so much energy I don't understand how she wasn't exhausted at the end of the show. So after, when she comes off stage, was she still kind of like up with adrenaline or was she just like, oh, my gosh, leave me alone. I need a minute. You know, that's, that's, that's a good question because you don't, usually don't get to see somebody when they first right, walk right off the stage. So <laughs> I can't tell you the answer to that one. But uh, I'm telling you, on stage, it was something to watch, wasn't it? I mean, all her dancers just to keep up with her. Must have been incredible. Uh, Bob, so you retired at the end of last year officially. I know you're not really, really, really retired because this is in your blood. How you doing as Summerfest approaches within a month? I'm doing great. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a great festival. Scott Zeal's done a great job. It's going to be fun. Will you just be strolling around with a cold beverage in your hand, enjoying the sounds of music? That's the plan. <laughs> That's the plan. What are you excited about this year, Bob? I know you're familiar with the big acts in the amphitheater and some others on the side stages. Uh, give us a couple that you're pretty excited about this year. You know, I, I think there's so many great things. I mean, I mean, starting with our church on opening day and going all the way through to, to Zach Bryan. I bet you we talked last year about Jack, Zach Bryan, about yep. what a great artist he is. And now he sells out the amphitheater in a day, you know. So there's things like that. There's, just, there's lots of talent to see down there, so. I'm looking forward to it. I think we're all going to have a good time. So I, I saw and read that Jimmy Buffett may be here on the one date that's left as open on the Mage Summerfest page. It's still listed as open, but if you click through to the amphitheater page, Jimmy Buffett is listed as being there on July 6th. Can you give us anything on the possibility Jimmy Buffett's here this summer? More information to come. <laughs> that's all I can say. You're still really good at this job. <laughs> Thank you. Parrot Thank heads you. on the edge of their seat. Yeah, you're always great at keeping a secret. <laughs> you are. You you're, you're too great at keeping a secret. Hey, Bob, Thank I know you. you didn't expect to do this today when you woke up, but the, your perspective means a lot to us, so we sure appreciate you taking some time to be with us today. Thanks for calling, and you guys have yourselves a good day, right? All right, you too, See Bob. You at Thanks. Fest. Thanks, man.